citizens of Gotham to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFR Batpod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or maybe even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and we are back, finally. I know we've said that a few times now over the last few episodes, but, you know, scheduling has been tough this summer, but either way, we are back. And when I say we, I mean, of course, myself and my partner, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's um, it's only been two weeks. It's our normal schedule, but we were going to try to, I think, get one out a little sooner, but it didn't work out. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's completely my fault. I've changed jobs recently. Uh, it's just it, I'm I'm getting used to a family with uh, with kids in the home. My wife and I aren't used to that, so there's just all kinds of new scheduling uh, challenges. So yeah, here we are, but we are back, and uh, we actually I'm not going to spill the beans here, but we have some pretty exciting things on the on the horizon, don't we, Joe? Yeah, I figured we were going to uh, probably leave that as a surprise, hopefully, um, in the coming weeks. It might even be our next episode, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, that'll uh, that'll be a little nice surprise for everybody. Um, it'll be a nice surprise for us, actually, uh, if it all works out. And But yeah, so we'll definitely have some, some fun stuff uh, on the horizon. Yes, and uh, just to keep everybody kind of informed... Um, on the next episode, we may or may not be doing one of our BTAS episodes. So just keep an eye out. Uh, we're going to announce what the next one is at the end of this episode, but just keep in mind that we may or may not be covering it because of the subject matter of the next episode. So just just bear with us there. Um, but so far as today's episode, um, we've done this once before already this year. And we've talked about it a, a couple of occasions, but uh, we are here to remember a lost legend of the comic book genre. And of course, that legend is Tim Sale. Um, we lost him last month in June, and it feels like, uh, it, it just feels like shot after shot that the comic book world is taking this year with, of course, the loss of Neil Adams and then George Perez and now Tim Sale on top of it, but I, yeah, I'm I'm hoping they say these things come in threes, Joe, and I hope this is I hope this is the end of it this year because it's it's been kind of devastating. 
Yeah, it's it's been definitely a rough go with uh, the last few months with these artists, and it, it's it's weird because you know we obviously love doing the show and love talking about this stuff, but this is one of those uh, situations where we'd much rather be talking about Tim Sale in a happier uh, context, you know, whether it be just a fun anniversary of one of his books or you know just just for the hell of it. I mean, just going over some of his stuff made me really want to dive into Dark Victory after we did our long Halloween stuff. So it's. It's definitely bittersweet to, to talk about him today, but uh, we we knew we had to, to talk about him because uh, speaking for myself, he is definitely one of my favorite artists. And, you know, without even without that being the case, it, he's he's been a part of some of our favorite Batman stories. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, you know, it, it's interesting that when something like this happens, you really dive into who these people were and it, it's kind of a shame that you don't, I guess, always take that deep dive interest until this occurs. But, you know, just doing some research, I learned so much about uh, Tim Sale that I did not know. And this guy has been a part of, you know, my comic book life for quite a while now. So it's it's just so strange that, yeah, I mean, it, it's unfortunate that it takes a tragedy for, for you to want to really dig in and find out all this stuff about someone. And it's happened, you know, three times this year. So, <laughs> um, oh, go ahead. No, it just, it stinks because like, like you were saying, you know, just trying to figure out how we were going to do this episode and kind of doing some research on Tim sale and just doing the simple basic task of, you know, typing in his name to DC universe I discovered that he did a lot more stuff than I knew. You know, every, you know, we knew the basics of, you know, the long Halloween, dark victory, um, when in Rome, uh, you know, the, the long Halloween special that came out last year, uh, mm-hmm. haunted night, all that stuff that's he's known for even the, you know, the, the Marvel stuff, but he did a lot more stuff than, than I even, I even heard of like, um, I mean, we'll get into the details as we go, but man, it just a lot of cover work too that I had never seen before, which was a lot of fun to dive into. Well, yeah, and to your point, I mean, not knowing the things that he did, it was just a few years ago that I realized that he did stuff for Marvel. You know, I, I knew about, you know, the uh, of course the Batman stuff when I knew some of the Superman stuff that he had done, but I had no idea that he had ever done any work for Marvel. And then the, um, well, actually, I think you and I got it at the same time. I, it's it's sort of an omnibus, but it's not called an omnibus. The the Marvel Knights book where it's um, Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, and Captain America White. They co- released that collected edition. Was that two years ago, Joe? I think I got it last year. but yeah, Maybe it was, it was last year. I have it in front of me because you had mentioned that... Uh, you might discuss it. So I was like, all right, let me put it in front of me just so I have it. But uh, I'm not sure what year it was released, but I know, well, Captain America white wasn't that long ago. That was, no, it wasn't. I actually bought those issues when they came out. So yeah, I had, I had not bought any of these. Yeah. Okay. 2018. So quite a few years ago now. Um, But yeah, I, I had no idea he had done Marvel stuff before that book came out. And then I saw it online and I was like, wow. And then of course paired with Jeff Loeb. And one thing I, I thought it was kind of ironic um, and a little interesting little, I guess, morbid tidbit. Um, 
all three of the comic book legends that we've that we've lost this year, all three of them were known for being one half of an iconic duo. Have you noticed that? Uh, I didn't really think about it until you said it, but yeah, they're not like, I mean, I guess the, the counterpoint to that would be like a artist for hire. Like they, they always are part of a team, which is really interesting that you say that now. Cause I, I did not uh, think of it that way. Well, yeah, because when you think of Neil Adams, you of course think of Denny O'Neill. When you think of George Perez, a lot of people automatically think Marv Wolfman. Yeah. Cause uh, I and mean, then- I- just by you saying that that's who that was the first person I thought of, even though George Perez is one of the is the only one out of the three that actually did write some stuff too. Right. Well, Neil Adams did some writing as well. Um, I, I guess I mean um, iconic as a writer. <laughs> yeah, I know what you meant. Uh, but yeah. And then of course, uh, Tim sale is, is very much synonymous with Jeff Loeb. And for a very good reason, because, I mean, those two have paired up on some iconic work in comics. Um, but yeah, just to, to talk about a little bit about his, his life pre-comics, and I don't know how much anybody's interested in this, but it interested me, so I wanted to talk about, about it a little bit. Uh, Tim Sale was born in May of 1956, so he was only 66 years old when he passed away, which is so so young, um, so unfortunately young. and. His um, his mother and father were a feminist political activist and a literary critic. So what a wild combination <laughs> of people that made Tim sell. Um, but obviously a very uh, a very broad, broad thinking family, which is awesome because we, we you know, we received some great art from a broad thinking person. Um and then he attended the University of Washington and uh, the School of Visual Arts in New York City. Uh, and so his art is a very interesting style. How would you describe Tim Sale's art, Joe? Uh, you said interesting. I, I guess the the word I, I come to is unique. Um, mm-hmm. That's the first word I think of. I don't know how to describe it as far as the type of artwork other than maybe it's such a cliche lately. It's I feel like it's an overused word, but for Batman, it has that noir feel to it, mm-hmm. but like, it doesn't feel noir obviously when you're reading, you know, Captain America white or Spider-Man or Superman. So I think the biggest thing with him, like, like most of these iconic artists is that you recognize it as, as Tim sale, the minute you see it. So that's where I, I have to fall into the unique category with him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with someone like Neil Adams or, or someone like George Perez, like, yes, they're, they're unique styles. You could tell it's them because of how we recognize them. But I think Tim sales art is probably one of the most unique and just, Style-wise, it's just very different from anything else that anyone else is doing or you know has done. To me, it's it stands out so you know it's so obvious when you see it that it's him. You don't even have to really think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I th- I heard Jamie Drewley kind of describe it this way when they were talking about Tim Sale on Batcast. Um, it's 
and I I agree with it 100%. Tim Sale has never been as much as his as his work is iconic and I do enjoy it. Tim Sale's art has never been my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um but every every story he's done, especially the ones with Jeff Loeb, they fit that story perfectly. Yes. And it's like, you know, I I could not see Tim Sale uh, as an ongoing Batman artist for the monthly title. If you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, he, he, I don't think his style really lends to that ongoing monthly series storytelling, but a specific style tailored towards Tim sales art. Like Jeff Loeb does so well. It just, it, it, it sings. Um, Batman, the long Halloween obviously is a very good example of that. But there was a really good there was a really good article that um, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but Alex Jaff G A F F E uh, did for DC Comics. I don't know if you read this article, Joe, um, but it was called "Remembering Tim Sale," uh, and he compared Tim Sale to Norman Rockwell and Norman Rockwell's paintings. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very telling because there is kind of that, even though the technical style is a little different, they have a, they have a very similar uh, approach to art and, and the way everything's structured and the way they do backgrounds and just the way they set a scene. So I thought that was, that was very interesting and a, and a very uh, well done comparison for, for Alex there in his article for DC comics. But Joe, I wanted to let you, cause I know you did a lot of research on Tim Sale for this episode. So I wanted to kind of give the floor to you and let you talk about, I know you had looked at a bunch of uh, panels and stuff like that. And, and this was supposed to be a very different episode when we first conceived it. We, we retooled it a little bit. So I wanted to let you talk about some of, some of, uh, some of the things that you found in research, uh, some of the things that surprised you because you, you had mentioned that earlier in the episode and some of your favorite panels from Tim Sale. Well, yeah, it was tough when we were we were trying to figure out how to do this episode, and it's it's always tough to do a visual subject in a you know an audio format. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was just kind of flipping through some of his stuff that I knew, and just trying to find you know just really great panels or great pages, and he's done a lot of just brilliant splash pages in the books that I went through, and. Just something as simple as going into DC Universe and typing in Tim Sale. I came mm-hmm. across a lot of stuff that I knew nothing about. And we were just discussing a little bit prior to recording. Um, before we get into the obvious stuff like the Batman and, you know, Catwoman, Superman, whatever we want to discuss. Um, he did and <laughs> he did Death Blow with, um, I'm sorry, you said he did it with, uh, with Jim Lee? That's, um, I'll have to look further into that while, while we're talking, but that's, that's what the Wikipedia uh, panel says anyway, Okay. but you, you know how, you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. So, but like he did uh death blow. He even did, I mean, we know about Superman for all seasons, but he did some really great covers, um, for detective comics that I did not know about. And one of them really caught my eye. I'm trying to find it, but it was Detective Comics 793. And it is a great cover of... Um, it's a Mr. Freeze cover. It's mm-hmm. just a really great... You know, it's got the... It's got Mr. Freeze's, you know, 
face with the mat or the helmet and in the reflection of the helmet you can see batman looking at mr freeze and it's very stylized very much a tim sale piece of art and it's just so cool because i had never seen this image before and it's weird to think that like an artist that i i consider myself a big fan of i i'm almost embarrassed to say i didn't know enough about him as i thought i did and to see some of these really cool covers that I didn't know about was really fun to just kind of dive into that. That was really the first thing that caught my eye. I was just trying to find, you know, uh, different stuff that maybe some people weren't aware of, maybe bring it to some people's attentions, but because it's an art form or, you know, just a, an artist that we're discussing, it doesn't take much time to just kind of go in and, and look at some of the artwork. And like I said, just a quick search on DC universe and you can find a lot of his covers, but some of the panels I came across, I mean, I, I only read the Long Halloween special from last year. Was it last year or the year before? I think it was the year before, right? No, no it was last, it was it was last October. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. So I had only read it the one time. I went back and flipped through that. There are a couple of really great images from that book. Um, I don't. I would like to actually read the book again uh, front to back. This way I could give it, you know, its due. But there is some really great imagery. There's a great page. Um, Batman has bloodied fists, and he had just uh, he had basically just taken down Julian Day, and uh, it's just a great panel of Batman with bloodied fists and Robin in the background. And there's some. It's just a he has a gr a great way of like we discuss how I think if you see his artwork at face value he might not be your favorite artist, but when it's in the context of the work and, and you see it on this big splash page or just, you know, taking up a full panel, it's just, it speaks to you. It really does. And, you know, I think obviously pairing that with Jeff Loeb, Jeff Loeb's writing, which both of us are huge fans of Jeff Loeb. It just mm -hmm. makes the art. I mean, it, maybe that lends to the art more, but I think they just work so well hand in hand like we were talking about prior and, and there's, there's just some really great artwork in this book that I think, I think I definitely need to go back and read this book again, because it, I remember really liking it as a follow-up to the long Halloween, dark victory. And um, even, I guess to an extent, Catwoman went in Rome. Now I, <laughs> the one thing I did find very interesting is when I went back and started flipping through dark victory, I do not remember a lot about dark victory at all. I mean, we, we talk about long Halloween at least once a year, it seems and well yeah because most of us read it once a year <laughs> yeah and i i've always said that whenever i read long halloween i forget a lot about it but mm -hmm. i still remember most of that story dark victory i was flipping through the pages of that and i was like wow like i need to reread this because this is really good and i feel like i don't remember any of it i mean i remember the the main points like i remember who the um it was you know the hangman killer and all that but there's some great art in that too with Catwoman. Mm -hmm. i mean i just Again, it, it's tough because it is a visual, you know, thing, and it's hard to just say, "Oh, this panel with blah blah blah." And but there's some great images with um, with Catwoman. I'm a big fan of the way Tim Sale draws Catwoman, whether it be just the style of the costume. I know the ears are a little much, but I love the purple costume. Um, Do you like the you tail? Know, the tail's a little. I mean, <laughs> I know the tail's always dis divisive. It's it's one of those things where it's it, I think it works with sale because it is so just yeah it's a little crazy I, I don't think it's necessary like 
I think he, it would get the point across without the tail. Well, it's, it's to me, it's kind of like, you know, in most artists' hands, it might come off a little goofy. Um, and maybe to some people it does, even with Tim Sale. But to me, it's sort of like his Poison Ivy, like with the vines and the leaves everywhere, like covering yes. the entire panel. He's like, embracing it. Like he's embracing yes, it's, the craziness of it. It's out there, but he makes it work. Uh-huh. Like he's he's one of those people kind of like Todd McFarlane that can just go crazy with Batman's cape and make yeah. it look cool. Yeah. So um, I did want to mention really quick that, uh, yes, I, I looked up Deathblow. It's a very interesting uh, combination of people that worked on this book. So it looks like Jim Lee actually wrote most of them. Okay. Um, and it's a it's 20. It was a 20 issue series. That they did. Um, and Jim Lee wrote most of them. Tim Sale picked up doing the art in issue three. He did some of the art and he did some of the some of the art solo. And then interestingly enough, Jim Lee actually inked for Tim Sale in a few of the issues. Oh wow. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> That's such a cool like I, I don't even know what that like you would never put I guess at face value, most of us would not put like Tim Sale's art and then like have Jim Lee almost be in the background as the inker. But that is really cool to see that kind of partnership. It, it just shows you how I feel like that would be a humble thing for Jim Lee to do. Right. If that makes sense. Like I'm not trying to diminish an inker because we all know inkers are so important with the way these things are drawn. But I feel like you don't ever see an artist go to just be an inker. Some artists will, will ink their own stuff as like a, a control, you know, they want to control their stuff more and, and do more. Uh, that's fascinating to me. Well, and to be fair, now this was 93, this was late 93 or mid 1993 through, um, late 95. So Jim Lee was not who he is today, but still, I mean, that's, that's, pretty interesting but yeah that book uh if you want to look it up on dc universe it's death blow uh 20 issues from 93 to 95 and the and the constant um creators through the story are jim lee tim sale and brandon Choi. so that's that's Mm -hmm. a very interesting one that obviously doesn't come up very much when you think of tim sale but that's cool little cool little uh interesting tidbit there yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, when you said it, I just assumed it was later, not something where they were both kind of not starting out, but really early in their careers. Yeah, and there's also, I mean, another little sidebar there that that is another little one that honestly I haven't read yet. But as much as I love another piece of Superman art from Tim Sale that we're going to talk about here in a minute, um, he did Superman Confidential with Darwin Cook. From 2006 to like, wow, I mean, on and off until 2008. And then they did, he did like a uh, a hundred page super spectacular with Marv Wolfman in 2019. Okay. So yeah, Superman Confidential, not one I have read, but I mean, Darwin Cook and Tim Sale, I'm interested. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I mean, he did some Batgirl covers that I never knew about. And those are cool because they, they're different for him. They're mm-hmm. not his typical style. It has some cool, um, 
it has an artistic style to it that's a little different. It's almost like uh I don't know how to describe it. I'm so bad at like using words to describe art. <laughs> but it just <laughs> it has um like I always say like when you look at Tim Sale, like you could tell it's Tim Sale. In the way he does these, they're shot very like colorfully. Mm-hmm. Um to the point where it's like some of it is like used with like a lot of cool stuff with colors and and it's like shot from far away. Um really cool range with some of this stuff, which I'm finding interesting as I'm going through some of it. Yeah. But, and I'm, like you said, there's so many covers here and there. You had brought up a detective cover. Which one was that detective? It was 793. 793. Okay. Yeah. I had never seen that one before, honestly. And that's when you look at it and you're like, okay, that I can see that being Tim sale. I, I don't know if you would know right away, but to me, it does definitely look like a Tim sale art piece. But if you go to, um, and again, this is weird for, you know, audio, but Batgirl 72 to me, that's a very different type of art for him. Batgirl it's 72. The, it says blood brother on the cover. It's a black background and it uses like red as blood. And it's got this great like style to it, but it doesn't look like something that would be typical Tim sale to me. It almost looks like something that could be right out of long Halloween in like a, uh, like a final page of long Halloween. Oh, where you get the the black and white and and some color. But like looking at it as a cover, it's not a typical Tim sale cover. No, it's kind of, I had to look at it for, I'm looking at it now. I had to kind of look at it for a second, but I mean, when you look at Batgirl herself and you look at the cape and stuff, you can tell it's Tim Sale, Yeah. but like you said, on first glance, it really, it's, it's different for, mm-hmm. for Tim Sale art. And while I'm thinking about it, that's one thing I, I got to bring up while we're talking. Uh, I mentioned the long Halloween, the final page of every issue of the long Halloween, like when I was listening, <laughs> listing, um, you know, panels to use or whatever. The final issue of every book he does, it seems, could be like an iconic cover or an I, you know, those images are so great. Like he knew how to put the stamp at the end of each issue. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and you talk about just things that could be covers. There's a uh, Batman dark victory number eight. And I don't know if you, if you've seen this one, I'm sure you have. Um, but it's it's like the the shadowed outlined face of the Joker, and it's mm-hmm. in like like his face is in purple, and then you just see those big white Tim Sale Joker teeth, and it's all in silhouette. Um, the, the covers to Dark Victory, he did he showcased every villain on the covers, mm-hmm. and it's and, really cool. And he used a color palette for each one of them. Yes, and it's it's great work. But that Joker image to me is just terrifying. That 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 I could see as a, as a creepy but cool poster, like you could you could put up in a comic room. I mean, it's 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 a really cool image. Yeah, but that's, that one in the Two Face one in Dark Victory number twelve is really good too. Yeah, absolutely. But there's so many Tim Sale panels like that, and we we talked about you know. And I, I don't know where you are with that, but I talked about Tim Sale's art not being my favorite. And I say that, but then every year when I read The Long Halloween, I see splash pages and I'm like, oh my God, there's like no one could have done this like Tim Sale. Well, that's the thing with Tim Sale. Like, I, I think we could all agree he draws people a little oddly, like a little, um, I mean, for lack of a better term, cartoony. Like they're they're not 
typical body shape and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. man, some of the iconic imagery he does that I, that's what I really fell in love with while going through some of the stuff. I love what he does with the covers for the Halloween specials, madness ghosts. And what was the other one? Um, crap. I can't remember. Oh. Fierce. Fierce. Fierce, yeah. So I picked out Madness as my favorite because I love the pumpkin. I love the how he puts the bat logo on the smiley face of the pumpkin. Oh, nobody but, does nobody does a pumpkin like Tim Sale. And but a I Jack love Madness with the the Madness with the top hat, the Mad Hatter top mm-hmm. hat on top of it. That cover is so cool. That was my favorite one. And then there's this image of in that uh, I'm, I think it's in Fears. No, I'm sorry, it's in Ghosts. There's an image of the Joker with Alfred hanging upside down with an apple in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And there are pumpkins all around the Joker in front of a fireplace. Like talk about a creepy image. And again, the Joker is definitely odd looking, <laughs> but he draws the Joker very lanky, like how the Joker is usually described as and how he's usually drawn. But the face is just super creepy. And there are the pumpkins everywhere. And none of these pumpkins have bat logos on them, but they're still Every pumpkin has a different face on it, and it's just a really great image. And you know, of course, Alfred upside down, and it's he does well, a really good job with imagery. Yeah, I mean, you know, this I tried to perfect a Tim Sale Batman jack o' lantern every year. Mm-hmm. I've done it every year for probably the past five or six years, and to varying degrees of success, <laughs> usually it turns out pretty decent. But yeah, I'm 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 looking for perfection, and I think part of it is the size of the pumpkin. You got to get a good a good size chunky pumpkin to get that big bat smile because that's what it looks like. <laughs> that oh, yeah. bat looks just looks like a rictus grin. I did uh, it when one you do year, it right. and it was a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. It's a lot of tedious cutting. Yeah, <laughs> so, but it, it it usually looks really cool once you're done with it. Um, but yeah, it's, that's, I think that's an iconic image that everybody thinks about, especially around Halloween time. And we have, we definitely have uh Tim sale to thank for that. Did I have you ever seen the one with the, the pumpkin in the, um, the bat signal is a really cool one. And that's from fears. I don't know if I've ever noticed this image or maybe I just went over it, but he has, it's a really cool orange bat signal in the sky, mm-hmm. but the bat signal looks like a pumpkin. So it's got the two eyes and then the smiley face as the bat signal. It's page six of Fears. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really that cool was a really image. cool one that I came across. So I have a kind of a tough question for you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Do you have? And I know that there's an audit, there's an easy go to, but I'm wondering where you're going to go. Okay. Do you have a favorite story? Drawn by Tim Sale. Oh, I do. That's a very easy one for me, but it's not a Batman story, so that makes it a little tougher. It's. I'm fine with that. Okay. Because that that actually is very interesting to me. I'm curious to know what it is. Because I thought. Because I know that you are. You put the Long Halloween very high on your list. Yeah. Sometimes number one. So I wanted to. I, I was. I was thinking you may go that route, but I'm interested that you're not. So no, please, please tell me. <laughs> I don't even have to hesitate with this. I actually consider Spider-Man Blue to be one of my favorite comic book stories of all time, period. Wow. Um, I consider that 
I have a hard time putting any story on top of that, Batman or not. It's tough for me to to say that. Like when I, when someone asks me my favorite Batman story, I can kind of go back and forth between Long Halloween or Court of Owls, or you know, I mm-hmm. it depends what kind of mood I'm in or what what I've read more recently. But the one story that is always up there for me, and I would have a hard time putting anything above it in comic book stories in general. And I'm not a Marvel guy. I haven't right. even read that much Spider-Man to be honest with you. But when I read this book, it had such an effect on me and I'm sure you've read it for anyone that hasn't read it. Yes, there is action in it. There is a, it's done in the typical Jim, um, I'm sorry, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale fashion, where they introduce different villains in each chapter. Try to almost do like a retrospective of the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the omnibus. You, you've read all the, they're all kind of written the same way. Right. Um, this story, I could literally have none of the action, none of the villains whatsoever. He does a great job of tying the two stories together, but that him listening to the recording or him like recording a, a tape to Gwen um, for Valentine's Day is one of the most heart wrenching things I've ever read before. I used to read it every year on Valentine's Day um, over the past few years. You know, you get busy, things come up and I haven't read it. I haven't read it in a couple of years, mm-hmm. but man, that book. I, for me to, I think that was one of the first Spider-Man books I ever read. So I didn't know what the heck was going on with anything else, but the love story and the panel at the end where I don't even know if I want to ruin it for everybody. (laughs) If you haven't read it, but Mary Jane comes in while he's doing this and the, the interaction between the two of them is just beautiful. And I, I get teary eyed thinking about that book because I, I just love that story so much. That. I didn't expect you to go there, but that's a great book, and I'm glad you picked it. I'm a softie. Everybody knows. <laughs> and I just, I I really have a hard time even getting through that book without getting emotional. It is such a great story. Um, I think reading it around the time of the Amazing Spider-Man movies helped, too, because I, I do have a love for those, and I, I love Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. So trying to read it in that perspective, I think, uh, affected me a lot, but Man, mm-hmm. it, it's a really good book. If anyone hasn't read it and you're a fan of Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, or if you want to just get into it in some way, that is that is definitely my favorite of theirs, without a doubt. Yep. Um, well, I have some interesting news for you myself, Joe, because my favorite Tim Sale book is also not a Batman book. I know what it is, though. Yeah, you know what it is. My absolute favorite Tim Sale anything uh, of all time is Superman for all seasons. Um, it's a book that I absolutely love. I love the way it's structured. Um, I love that, that for all seasons is not just, you know, it, it, each chapter of the book is a different season of the year, but it's also a different season of Superman's life, uh, which I really, really enjoy. And I just love like without being, overboard you know all shucks um golly gee superman if you know what i mean it does have that wholesome value that just it screams you know this is what superman is all about and i love the interactions between 
uh, Ma and Pa Kent and Clark early in the book. And you get a little bit, you get a little bit more of it throughout, but especially in the first chapter, just the just the in- interactions and the exchanges between them as a family is beautiful to me. Um, it's not sometimes, sometimes Superman, especially when he's in the Superman suit, his face is, I don't know that that's where my Tim Sale disconnect comes up a little bit because he looks a little funny, but. There's certain parts of the book that are just gorgeous and I love it. And there's there's a panel there's a panel at the, close to the end of the first issue where Clark has decided to go off on his own and he's going to Metropolis and there's a scene where he said goodbye to to, to Ma and he walks out to this field where Pa Kent is standing and there's a sunset. There's just a beautiful image. You get the back a shot from behind Clark and uh, and Pa Kent, and Clark is saying, "Do you ever get tired of looking at that?" And Pa just says, "No, I never have. I guess I never will." And it's just, I mean, it's kind, of, it's heavy because it's you know, it's Clark knowing that he's leaving, and it, and it reminds me, you know, of of when I left home, and, it, and you know, even though the circumstances are different, I don't have superpowers, but it, it's the same thing we all go through. And I think that, you know, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale just captured that beautifully. And I love that entire book. I won't go into the whole thing. I think everybody should read it, but it's my absolute Tim Sale book. If I remember correctly, isn't each story a different perspective? It's told it, from a different perspective, right? Yeah, like one's told through Lex's perspective and things like yes. that. And yeah, so there is diff- you do get different perspective. But the the main theme through the, through the story is you're getting different eras in Superman's life. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, um, Clark's dog or Ma's dog is actually Tim Sale's dog. Like Tim Sale drew his dog as the farm uh, dog. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember hearing something about like he needed to, he might've asked uh, Jeff Love to even put the dog in the story so he could draw his own dog. Cause he had like this love for his dog. And I always thought that was a cool story. Yeah. Absolutely. But there's, um, there's also that one little shot where he at the, it's at the end of book one, I think, um, where the little boy loses his hat and Superman brings it back to him, mm-hmm. which is, which is what was shot in that flashback of the pilot of Superman and Lois. That was yeah. that homage to that, which they kind of mixed with the, with the action comics, number one, the green car and all that. But that was definitely an homage to Loeb and Sale for Superman for All Seasons as well. So I just, I always think of that when I see that. Either when I read the book, I think of the show, or when I see that episode again, I think of the book. So, but yeah, I mean, as much as and we could talk about Batman all day with Tim Sale, but who has not talked about Tim Sale Batman? So well, that's, I, what's, that's cool that like you know, like you said, we can it's the obvious stuff. We're always going to mention Tim sales, Batman, but it's cool that we both have love for his other stuff because his other stuff probably doesn't get as much recognition as his Batman stuff. No. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that through this research, we found more stuff to read. Cause I definitely want to check out that Superman confidential. And I definitely want to check out, um, that death blow book. Cause I think it's just an interesting, uh, mix of creators. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. If if you haven't read 
Um, Superman for All Seasons, if you haven't read Superman Blue, or excuse me, Spider-Man Blue, if you haven't read the Batman, the Long Halloween Special from last year, I highly recommend those. They're awesome books. And of course, read the classics. Read the, the classic Batman books that Tim Sale has worked on. But I, I think unless you have anything else, Joe, that's that's where we're going to put a pin in it. We're going to move on. But, you know, God bless Tim Sale. And um, yeah, I hope we don't lose any more this year. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a rough year. Um, yeah. And I think the saddest part is, I mean, 66. It, it, See, you know, I yeah. think about like my that's my father's age. And I, mm-hmm. I don't even think about that being an old man yet. And it's, it's really devastating that, you know, we lost him so young and selfishly, I, I have to even admit that it came to my mind while reading the Halloween special. I thought, geez, I, I don't know whether I want a sequel now. Yeah, I know. I know. Cause at the time we were like, man, it'd be cool to get these every couple of years or something nope. like that. But now but it'd it's be like really hard. It'd be really hard to like, to get one without him because he is such a staple on the long Halloween, you know, saga. He's, he's drawn every one. Oh, also I'm glad I thought of this before we move on the homages that they did for Tim sale, putting his art at the beginning and end of the uh, Batman, the long Halloween two part film that we got last year was so cool. I'm I so forgot g- about that. I'm so glad they did that. Cause it's such, it's such a nice little bookend. You get, you get that Tim Sale flavor, even though the art in the movie is is pretty different. You still get that flavor, and I love it. Yeah, and we're getting the deluxe edition in September. Absolutely. I hope they, I hope they find a way to to honor him in that, um, whether it be a quick little in memoriam or something. And I hope that they, uh, you know, I, I hope they were able to interview him a little bit prior to the film and see what he thought about yeah. it. I know there's a special with Jeff Loeb on it, but hopefully they, there's something with Tim Sale. Cause yeah, yeah I hope that I don't know when they did production on that deluxe edition. I hope they had time uh, to, to put something in there for him. Cause it, it would be, it would be proper. I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, Joe. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about a little, a uh, little something different change paces here. Let's get into this week's episode of Batman the Animated Series for our 30th year anniversary celebration. All right, Joe. So this week is finally time for the one I've been waiting for. I might be the only one, but we're talking Batman the Animated Series Moon of the Wolf and uh, the, the air date on this one was November 11th 1992 Joe you had looked it up what episode is it on HBO Max uh it is I know it's usually it's like preceded by Tiger Tiger I think okay oh no that's not it um how did it go to something different it was 36 36. Okay. So yeah, this one is, this one is, was only chosen by me. So <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you're looking, but as a brief synopsis here, uh, Batman investigates the sudden appearance of a werewolf like creature in Gotham city, not realizing that the monster happens to be one of Bruce Wayne's associates, Anthony Romulus, an ex Olympic athletics champion and media spokesman. 
it 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 is a it is revealed that the behind the scheme is twisted chemist Professor Milo. So it's kind of a return for Professor Milo in this episode, and I had kind of forgotten that that it was a return for him. But either way, uh, Joe. I am very curious. You've watched Moon of the Wolf. I don't know when the last time you watched this episode was, but what did you think upon rewatch of Moon of the Wolf? Well, I watched it last week um, when we were originally going to try to record. Uh, mm-hmm. I So I don't remember. Professor Milo is from what other episode? Oh, God. I'm trying to remember myself. Um, I know that he had made a repeat. And he's from the comics. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm trying to remember what the but other I episode. I not remember him being in other episodes. I'm looking it up right now. Um, he first appeared in Cats. Oh, Cat Scratch Fever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just looked that up too because I knew it was a Catwoman episode, but I couldn't remember which one. So it's just these two episodes. It looks like. Yeah. Okay. Um. So no, I do. I do not hate this episode. I want to start by saying that ringing endorsement. I do not hate this episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) what's funny is it it does kind of remind me. And I, so it's written by Lynn Ween, which is really cool that he got to write this. Um, Mm -hmm. it does remind me. And again, I I didn't read the era when Lynn Ween was doing the comics, but it reminded me more of like the, the one-offs from the nineties that had these cool, like creature feature issues that were just kind of thrown in. And I gotta be honest, those weren't my favorite. So that's probably why this, this actual episode isn't my favorite because it it does just seem like an odd one-off Batman fighting a you know a werewolf. Not really my thing, but mm-hmm. it's a fun episode. Funny story though, <laughs> I was sitting with my daughter uh, when I was about to watch the episode. I'm like, you know what? It's a cartoon. I could put this on real quick. And she was just getting ready to go to bed, so I'm like, I'll put it on for the last like five ten minutes before she goes to bed. And because um, her show ended, so I'm like, I'll watch this with me. And of course, it starts with Batman, you know, fighting this werewolf. The werewolf kicks a dog across the screen. I'm like, oh, God, my my four-year-old is now going to have nightmares because I'm watching a Batman cartoon. Like, what the (laughs) heck is going on here? Like, I like, of course, like, I knew it was a werewolf. What was I thinking? But I I also didn't expect the werewolf to throw a dog or kick a dog, whatever the heck he does to start the episode. Now now my daughter's going to bed thinking, what happened to the doggy? What happened to the doggy? He's fine. (laughs) Well, He's just and, wearing, and, the, and the the wolf guy is just wearing a mask. It's fine. I was trying to, you know, tell her that you, you were know, trying to convince her. I was yeah. trying to convince her, like Batman, like oh, it's it's a mask. It has to be a mask. Yeah. It, well, and that that's a good point because I think this episode actually has some creepy imagery in it. It does. So and and I am one. I love the old horror B movies. I love the Universal monster movies, and the Wolfman is my favorite of the Universal monsters. Always has been. So. From since I was a kid, I love this episode, and it's one of those things where, you know, you know those movies where you grow up loving it, and then you f- you realize eventually that everybody hates it, and it's it's apparently a bad movie. <laughs> That's this episode for me because I've always loved Moon of the Wolf, and then at at a certain point, once I got into the the online comics community, I realized, oh, this is apparently not a good episode. Uh, so I. I never knew, but I still love it. I think it's such an homage to yeah, the creature features, like you said, of the of the early years of cinema. I think it's it's definitely homage to the Wolfman, where it's kind of this, you know, it's not exactly the same tragic story, 
but it, there is some some sympathetic reasons why um, the character in this episode has decided to, uh, you know, subject himself to Milo's schemes and has become a werewolf. And I think it's, you know, that there's some sympathy to be had for that character. And it's, it's such an interesting arc through this, through the episode for me. And if I'm being honest, it's, it's just cool to see Batman fight a werewolf. I mean, (laughs) I think this kind of goes to the whole, you know, everyone, everyone hold Batman, the animated series to such a high standard. I don't think this is a bad episode. It's just, it's not a Joker episode. It's not a Penguin episode. It's not right. a Joker episode. So it just kind of gets lumped into like the, like almost like the quote unquote lost episode. Like, oh, it's not mm-hmm. a Joker episode. Like who's the villain? Oh, it's a werewolf. What is this? And you just kind of like lose interest really quickly or whatever. But it's, I mean, as far as like the writing goes or the story goes, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just, again, it's not your, your classic Batman villain in the episode, but I, they always tried to do things differently. And I'm always going to give them the benefit of doubt when they have someone like Len Wein coming on, because obviously it meant something to him to tell this story and for him to come on and, and write for the show is really cool. Yeah, I think so too. And this is a adaptation of Batman two fifty five. I don't know. Did you know that? I assumed it was going to be an adaptation. They usually do a really good job with that kind of stuff. And the fact that he was a writer on it. Now, did he write that issue? Uh, it, it was a 100 page spectacular. So there's okay. like, there's like five stories in it. Um, and moon, moon, right of, moon of the wolf is one of them. I'm pretty sure Lynn Wien wrote yeah, that one. Yeah. I was pretty sure he Neil did. Adams did the art. Yes. So that there's there's another suggestion. Um, I haven't read that whole 100 page spectacular, but I have read the Moon of the Wolf uh, story, mm-hmm. and it's a good read. So I recommend reading that as well. But yeah, I mean, the, so far, like the end of this episode, I actually think it's pretty tense when Batman is like chained down in this construction pit, mm-hmm. and y- you know the werewolf is is heading down to you know to get him. That's pretty tense to me because I'm like, oh, especially as a kid, I was like, oh, God, how, how's Batman going to get out of this? Uh, you know, and, and as a kid, I always thought, I mean, I I'd saw this episode numerous times. And for whatever reason, it, it always made me feel, oh, God, I think um, I, <laughs> I think Batman's going to actually he, the werewolf's going to get him this time. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know why I always thought that, but there it is. Um, but yeah, I. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but this episode has always stuck with me, and I've always really loved it. And I, I actually really love the little the little ending because it's such a, a horror um, B movie staple. Is you know what they they tell you in the story that they sold Romulus's place got sold at the end of the episode, but deep in the woods, as the episode is ending, a wolf figure howls at the moon. Mm-hmm. So it kind of even though they never went back to this and you never got any more of the, of Romulus as the werewolf in this show, it kind of, it left it open to where there could be more. And, and I've always been, and again, I'm probably the only one on the planet that is disappointed that we never got more, but I've always been a little disappointed that we never saw the werewolf again. Yeah. I think it's a good one off. I, I think, mm-hmm. I think it's cool that it is an adaptation of a comic. I think it's nice when they bring attention to the old comics. You know, like mm-hmm. we've discussed the the Roz issues that were covered in um, Demon's Quest. 
I, I think, you know, they've done the laughing fish. They've done a lot of classics. This is just one where as a kid, because I wasn't into the, you know, the werewolf stuff when I was a kid, it was even less likely for me to be into this episode then. Where now, because I can appreciate seeing Len Wein's name and, and doing some some diving into whatever it might be, I think I can learn to appreciate it more now. And I, again, I don't think it's a bad episode at all. It's just not one that I go back to a lot. But I will say to me, this definitely falls into a an episode I will revisit at Halloween time. I think it's oh, a good that's... episode to revisit at Halloween, which for some reason this doesn't come up a lot. I, I guess because a lot of people don't hold this as to a high standard. But right. to me, I think this works perfectly as a Halloween episode. I agree. I completely agree. It's one that I actually work try to work into my Halloween viewing every year. Um, and it, yeah, it's such a, such a fun. I, and I think one thing that I really, really appreciate it. And I know I just, I've heat praise on it. And if you hate this episode, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm not trying to convince you that you should like it. If you don't like it, that's fine. Um, but I love when Batman is malleable. And there can be, you know, grounded, realistic Batman and there can be fantastical Batman. And I love that in this show where there's so many, you know, realistic street level aspects, this show was not scared to go into the fantastical and the supernatural. You know, because they very easily could have adapted this episode where it was somebody in a in a wolf costume. Well, definitely. And that's what I think. To me, that was always my favorite aspect of Batman the Animated Series was it was the comics come to, I mean, you could say come to life, even though it's animation. They literally just took every aspect of Batman possible and put it in the show. They weren't afraid to go, you know, fantastical, but they still had him fight, you know, Rupert Thorne and and regular street level stuff. That's what, that's what Batman is. You know, Mm -hmm. Batman isn't one or the other. Batman is all of these things. And I think that's what's so great about this show. And Hey, it's episodic too. So if you don't like this episode, you just forget it never happened. You don't have to watch it again, but it's, it's there if you want to enjoy it. And I mean, this show had every aspect of Batman that there ever was. So I think that's why this show is what it is. It didn't, it didn't shy away from anything. Yeah. And to your point, it's so cool that we have episodes of this beloved show that we can watch it different. We can watch episodes for Christmas. We can watch episodes for Halloween and it's just, you know, we have an episode we can watch at new year's. It's, it's great. I love that that this show, and I think that's part of the testament of why this show has lasted for so long and has been, you know, so beloved. And these characters have, you know, these character actors like Kevin Conroy have had so much success continuing to play these characters over the years. Is this that there is so much, ma- there's something for everybody in this show. And Batman is played straight no matter what, too. That's what's cool. Like, the Batman character doesn't change whether he's fighting the werewolf or whether he's fighting Rupert Thorne. It's right. not like they're making him cheesier when he's fighting the werewolf or not. Like it, they, Kevin Conroy stays consistent throughout. They play it straight, and they, this is just he's living in a world where he is as shocked as we are that he's fighting a werewolf. Yeah, there. I do have a nitpick, um, and it's not just for this episode, but it's something I've noticed as we've been rewatching. Have you noticed that almost every single? Um, villain or group of villains that captures Batman, their go-to move is to take his utility belt. Well, they're smart then. <laughs> it, yeah, but it's like, okay, that's it, that's not all that Batman's got going for him, you know. But, no, but every it, single doesn't villain doesn't bother you when they don't take it. 
I guess. I don't know. It's just, it's like it stuck out to me. I'm like, this is like the fourth episode we've watched in a row where they took his utility belt. Well, so, no, your nitpick should be Batman keeps getting caught. Oh, well, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but I mean, he obviously didn't expect to run into a werewolf running through the streets of Gotham. So, yeah. I'm going to give him Not the benefit it. of the doubt. I got you. <laughs> All right. Well, that that's uh, that's kind of where we're going to wrap it up for Moon of the Wolf. I'm so glad we, we finally got to cover this one. Um, some people probably are, too, because now they know they don't have to hear it going forward. But um, <laughs> but for me, yeah, I, I I'm honestly I'm glad you got some entertainment out of it. I was I was kind of nervous that you wouldn't like it at all, but I'm glad that you you actually you plan on adding it to the Halloween list. That's cool. Yeah, no, there's. I don't think there's any episodes of the, the animated series where it's a chore for me to get through. Even, even the one with the goat that that Jamie makes fun of. <laughs> I, I think all of them are entertaining. I don't think any of them are really that bad. So especially yeah. this one, this is fine. You know, every time I I hit the the randomizer thing that I use to to pick out the next episode, uh, every time I'm waiting for critters to hit, so we can just you know, go ham on picking on Jamie for picking that episode. But hey, you know what? Know. It's pretty easy to get through anything that's 20 minutes long. Like, yeah, I mean, it's we've watched true. Some pretty crappy 90 minute movies, two hour movies. It's it's it, 20 minutes is a breeze. I, I, I mean, you're talking to someone that's through uh, right now. My daughter's watching uh fancy Nancy every friggin' day. So <laughs> I, no. just, I mean, there's, there's, I could get through anything in 20 minutes. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Uh, well, hopefully our next our next twenty minute episode is not a chore for everybody. I don't think it will be. Um, it's a pretty uh, it's it's held in pretty high regard. The next episode that we're going to re- cover for this show is if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? So, Joe, we have a Riddler episode coming up. I, we haven't seen Riddler yet in our in our look back at the show. Um, when, uh, have, do you remember watching this one recently or anything like that? Are you intrigued to get into a Riddler episode? Yeah, so I watched this right before the Batman came out. I watched a bunch of the Batman episode or the Riddler episodes okay. uh, before the Batman came out. And that's, I believe that's the first appearance of the Riddler in the show. It is. It is. So yeah, to keep up with us, that's what we're going to be watching next time. Um, well, and and remember, there we kind of have, I'm going to steal something from real blend. If, if any of you guys listen to real blend, it's kind of a hashtag if it happens right now, but there may be something different going on for our next episode. So keep an eye out for that. So we may not be doing our BTS episode or BTAS episode next time. So just, but remember the next time we do, it's going to be, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? But Joe, that's where we're kind of going to wrap it up for today. Um, yeah, two completely different topics talking about, you know, of course, the, the the loss of Tim Sale. But I think we we really celebrated some of his more not talked about art. And then a, a, a wacky wild episode of Batman, the animated series with Moon of the Wolf. But I had fun with this episode. Thank you so much for joining me, Joe. Yep. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, a little bittersweet talking about Tim Sale, but Again, it's it's nice to you know bring some uh, you know just even to, for ourselves to, to you know let us dive deeper into his work and and learn more about his stuff was was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I will actually challenge the listeners. If you're listening to this episode, um, even if it's the, even if it's, you know, the tried and true Batman, the long Halloween, I want to know what is your favorite story involving Tim sale that, that the art was done by Tim sale. What's your favorite story? Reach out to us on any of our platforms and let us know. Um, but Joe, until next time, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Vero, and uh, Letterboxd as J411. And uh, I'm on Facebook as Joe Fornarato, F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O. Awesome. As for myself, you can find my personal accounts on Instagram and Twitter and Letterboxd at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. Um, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFR Batpod. Once again, if you have thoughts or questions or anything like that for the show, you can reach us by email at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. If you would take a moment out of your day to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a, fi- or a star rating on Spotify, we would really appreciate it. It helps us gain exposure. It helps uh, people find us. If you leave us an email or an Apple Podcast review, we will read them live on the show. Um, that's going to do it. For this episode i hope you guys have enjoyed it i hope you guys um, are celebrating tim sale like we are um, but until next time have a good one and make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward suffering from my friend is an early stage of lycanthropy more commonly known as werewolfism for that i have no treatment however advanced werewolfism can be cured what what did you do to me the pain And if you ever wish it to go away, Anthony, from this moment forward, you will do precisely what I tell you. You fool! There's no telling what the werewolf might do! Hey, ask me if I care. Your victim is waiting.